Well, Merry Christmas. Good to see everybody here with us at our main campus. Thanks for you guys that are joining us online. So we're really excited uh, ending up together this year. We have, as Jennifer said, just an amazing year. I mean, 2021 has had lots of ups and downs, but God has really been doing some amazing things. So thankful that we get to celebrate with you guys uh, together here tonight. So one of the things that um, I want to talk to you about is this whole idea, and I've been sharing with you guys kind of my love-hate relationship with Christmas, but also some of my like questions or thoughts that go into Christmas. So one of the things I always thought as a kid, you know, growing up is when they talk about the whole Christmas story and then you start to understand Jesus and being a savior and dying on the cross. And did anybody else ever, ever have the question, like if, if Jesus came to the earth and he's from God, why didn't he just come as an adult? Like, why did he really have to come as a baby? Or why did that ever have to happen? Or why couldn't he have just showed up? Like, couldn't it have done the same thing if God would have just showed up on the earth and said, you know what, I'm here. I just want you all to know if you, you know, here's the deal. If you want a relationship with me, this is how it works. And once you have a relationship with me, you can be forgiven and it'll all be good. Why the whole idea of coming to this earth and especially coming as a baby and growing all the way through. So one of the things that I thought about is when we were raising kids, I don't know uh, if any of you guys have ever experienced this before, but you know, you go through those times where you, with your kids when you can't get through, like you're talking to them and you want to guide them in a certain direction, but they don't quite hear you. Any parents out there? Yeah, like you just, they just like, I mean, do you not trust me? Like, what's going on? I mean, do you not hear me? You know, I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but I can remember going to bed at night sometimes just thinking this, you know, if my kids just knew how much I love them, they would trust me, right? If they knew that the reason that I was trying to guide this, them in this direction, if they knew that the things that I was trying to say to them were out of love, they would trust me so much more. Because you know how kids are, you know, they don't always trust what you have to say. And I always thought, but if they knew how much I loved them, it would change their reaction. Well, really, if you think about it, it's the same concept when it comes to God, right? So God, back in the Old Testament, when we read about this, the people struggled with this whole idea of being in relationship with God. Because God was spirit, right? And he was far off. And not very many people got to talk to him. And so there was this struggle of understanding what it looked like to be in relationship with God. And obviously, his kids, being the nation of Israel, had a lot of the same problems, right? They didn't listen. You know, a lot of their not listening was out of trust. And so one of the cool things is, is that when we look at then why was Jesus born? Why did, why did we need Christmas and why does God need Christmas? It's for this reason. He decided this. Whatever barriers there are between you and I when it comes to a relationship, I'm going to remove them. So he said, via sacrifice of saying, I'm going to take, because if you think about this, here's, here's Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they're all up in heaven. Who wants to become a human? And who the heck wants to become a baby, for crying out loud, right? Like, if you think about the sacrifice that went in to Jesus coming down and being a part of being a baby and growing up all the way to an adult, so we went from a baby to an adult where he died, but he did it because of this. He said, for you, I never want there to be a barrier in relationship. So if you struggled with this idea of what does it look like to be in relationship with me, I'm going to come in flesh and blood and you can see me. 
Luckily for us, we can look at those records throughout the history in the Bible and we can read about those things and we can understand what God was like in the flesh. And we can understand what it looks like to have a personal relationship with him. And that's really the story of Christmas, right? The story of Christmas is that God says, I'm going to remove all these barriers and I want to be in relationship with you. And because of that, I will send my one and only son to be born on this earth to become a human. So here's what I want to get done tonight. I'm hoping, right, that we can walk away with a couple different things. The first one is this. So I know sometimes in my own life, and I don't know if this is the way it is with you, but I know sometimes we struggle with this idea that God really loves me, right? Like, I know we say, like, God is love and God loves people. Like, we talk about that a lot. lot. Like, God loves people. We sing about it. We sing about how God loves people. But here's what I want you to walk walk away with tonight, that God loves you like you individually, not as a corporate setting, not in a corporate setting, not just to cover every single person that he's just saying that he loves all of you. I want all of us together. I want you to walk away knowing this, that he loves you deeply and that he wants a personal relationship with you. And I hope that where we can get tonight is, is that once you understand the love of God, you know, because I still think sometimes we struggle with that. But once you truly understand the love of God and that it's for you individually, then I think we can truly take the gift of the birth of Jesus Christ and really understand what it was for. And that we can understand what it is that Jesus came for and how we, as people here tonight, can take that gift. And I think for each one of you, it's going to be a different way. That's my prayer. We've been praying for weeks that God would open the hearts of, of people here tonight. And whatever it is that, that he wants to say to you, we're praying that, that that message comes out through his love and through the understanding of the gift that comes with Jesus. So we're going to have a lot of different scriptures tonight. So um, if you have a Bible, it's going to be kind of hard to follow along. We're going to have them up on the screen. But the Bible is to set this, or the scriptures that we're using is to set this scenario What does it look like or how do we understand how much God loves us and then understand what the gift is and then what can we as Christian people or what can we as people seeking a relationship with him, how do we respond and what are the things that we need to do? So Romans is going to be the first one we're going to look at. So Romans 5 and we're going to look at verses 6 through 8. Here's what he says in Romans 5, 6 through 8. He says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So one of the things that Paul, who is talking to the Roman people and talking to us, he wanted to demonstrate this early on so that people could understand this. Jesus Christ came to this earth, yes, as a baby, but also died as a man, right? And here's what he wanted you to see. He wanted each one of you to understand this because you understand this relationally, I think. You will know the level of somebody's love when you see how much they sacrifice, right? Yes, thank you, right? Like, you know that. We know the level of love goes with the level of sacrifice. We know that that's how it works inside of relationship. And so when you look at this, when it comes to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made, because that's what I was alluding to in the beginning, how do you know how much he loves you? Well, think about it. 
If you were spirit and you were living in heaven and the idea was to come down onto this earth and be a baby, that first of all is weird and doesn't seem that good, right? Second of all, knowing that you were going to live your adult life and the people that you love aren't going to love you. Like what kind of love, you know, or what kind of sacrifice does it take for somebody to take on human form to sacrifice themselves for a human race who doesn't even like him. And what you're going to see is this, or this is what I hope you see. The level of sacrifice that God made for you was great. Why? Because he loves you. With great sacrifice comes great love. And you see that in the life of Jesus, and we see that in his birth. And he goes on in Romans when he says this in verse 7. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, looking at this idea of how much does he love us, think about this. When relationship is going really well, like when you're in relationship with somebody, it goes really well when you love them and they love you back, right? Come on, man. Like the second crowd's supposed to be a lot more lively, right? Like, thank you. Like, yeah. all right, so the idea is if you love somebody and they love you back, that love grows deep, right? You, if you haven't been in it, try it sometime. If you love somebody and they love you back, that love grows deep. But what happens when you love somebody and they don't love you back? How hard is it to love that person? It's difficult, right? Like it's difficult to love somebody that will not reciprocate love back to you. But this is the story of Jesus, right? The story of Jesus is that he came here to die for us why we were still sinners. Why we were still turning our back. Why we were still making terrible decisions. Why we were still looking at him and saying, we don't need you, nor do we want you, right? To the point where everybody close to him, when it came to his death on the cross, did what? Deserted him. And that's what he... How much does it take to love a race of people that does that back to you. So what he wanted to demonstrate from the beginning and what I want us to understand, to truly understand the depths of the gift that Jesus Christ coming to this earth as a baby is to each one of us, you have to understand to the depths of how much he loves you, right? Because it's through that love that you will truly understand the gift. Well, that's where we're going to go next. We're going to go into uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 21, and this is then to start to describe, so what is the gift, right? Like you've all read the Christmas story before, Jesus born, and, you know, in a manger, and shepherds, and all of that stuff came, and we all celebrate his birth, but what I want to see is, inside of what we talk about today, it's just more than just celebrating that he was born, right? Because when he was born, something happened, and for each one of us, something was proclaimed that's important for our walk and our journey. So here's what it says in Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, 
This doesn't have a lot to do with the message, but I do think it's interesting to understand because when we read through that, we're like, oh, wow, the Holy Spirit impregnated a woman. That's pretty normal, right? You know, like, are we... But I mean, we just look at it and we're like, yeah, we read it all the time and we know that it happens. But I want you to understand the culture, right? So if you remember the culture at the time, they had a Jewish culture and a Greek culture. So in Greek mythology, if you understand or know Greek mythology, gods impregnating human beings happened all the time, right? Like that was the deal, like Hercules, right? So Hercules' father was Zeus, right? So that those things happened. And so to the Greek culture, this was happened all the time. But to the Jews, this was completely crazy. In fact, they would look at the Greek people and say, you guys are crazy. Like those types of things didn't happen. And now all of a sudden, guess what's happening? The Holy Spirit is now going to come and impregnate, you know, Mary. So there was this shock inside of the Jewish community. It wasn't just going to be a shock to Joseph that this happened, but this was a shock to the whole Jewish community on how this happened. But he goes on and says this in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to the public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid and take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her womb or, or conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, if you were there and you were listening in on this conversation and you were a Jew and you heard that Jesus was going to be born, you would be ecstatic, right? Like you would be celebrating. And here's the reason that you would be celebrating, because the Jews understood what Jesus meant, right? We look at it and be like, oh yeah, Jesus the Messiah. But this is what, when the Jews saw the name Jesus, here's what they heard, rescuer right? Because that's what Jesus was. Jesus was a rescuer. And imagine if you were a part of the Jewish culture at the time, how excited you would be, right? Because the problem inside of the Jewish culture was, is they were being oppressed by who? The Roman government, right? So the Roman government was oppressing Jewish peoples, Jewish people, and they had been praying for this coming rescuer forever. So all the people that were listening in on this and heard, wow, Jesus, the rescuer is coming, they would be excited, right? And they were excited, you know, for that because they thought Jesus coming meant no more oppression, right? And he was going to rescue them from out from underneath the hand of the Roman Empire. But <laughs> the verse goes on and says, in a little bit of a shock, because when they first read that, you're going to name him Jesus, they thought that they were going to be saved from Rome, but he goes on and says, you're going to name him Jesus, but this is why. Because he will save people from their sins. Now, <laughs> we've read it a hundred times, and we're like, yeah, Jesus saves you from your sins, you know, and that's the way it's supposed to be. But put yourself in the Jewish culture at the time who wanted to be delivered from Rome, and now he's going to deliver you from your sins. How happy are you? Like, they didn't need delivered from their sins right? Now think about this. Did they need delivered from their sins? Because they had the tabernacle and they had the sacrifice and they had a way to be delivered from their sins, right? They had a way to deal with their sins. They didn't have anybody to rescue them from the Roman empire. So all of a sudden the buildup, oh, he's going to rescue us and deliver us to 
our sins? <laughs> like, that's it? Like, that's what he's coming for? And so, to a certain extent, Jewish people at the time completely misunderstood what the Messiah or the rescuer were going to be. And we look at it and be like, how could they miss it? But here's something that I want to highlight. Because I don't think that we're any different than the Jewish people to a certain extent. And here's why. I think when we read this, so if you go through and they read this and it says, and because, uh, because he will save his people from their sins. That's what the scripture says, but I think this is what we say. And I don't know if it's because we wanted to say this or that we've taken other parts of scripture and put it to this. We wanted to say it's because he's going to forgive our sins. Right? But that's not what it says. It doesn't say that he's going to forgive our sins. It says he's going to save us from our sins, which is a complete difference. And I want to tell you why. Because you know what the problem with this idea of Jesus came to forgive our sins and he forgives our sins and all you have to do is ask for forgiveness. And when you ask for forgiveness and then someday you're going to go on and spend eternal life up in heaven someday. When you live that way, and again, I'm going to make this all make sense in a little bit if you're a little bit confused and you think you came to a church that doesn't believe in the forgiveness of sins. We're going to get to that point, okay? (laughs) But I want you to hear this, right? Because the problem with this idea that Jesus came just to forgive your sins misses the point and actually causes a problem in the way that we live as Christians at times. You know why? Because we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, and all I need to do is ask for forgiveness. And then you're on this little squirrel cage over and over and over again. Or, you know what? I can go out and sin. And, and, and some religions are built on this, right? The whole idea is I can go out and sin during the week as long as I go in and ask for forgiveness, right? And so it's this cycle of sin with forgiveness, and that it's exactly the way that God wanted it to be? Is that the way that he wanted it to be? Would he wanted us to live in this idea that, well, he just gave us a way out, right? Like Jesus Christ came as a baby, died on the cross just so you could have a way out, just so you could live any way that you want to live, and all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and everything's good. Is that what he really wanted? But unfortunately, I think that's the way we live. I think, unfortunately, we as Christian people have fallen into this idea that, you know, because Jesus Christ forgives sins, which he does, right? And we're going to get to that here in a little bit. But at the end of the day, he didn't come so that you could just be forgiven, right? He didn't come so you could continue to live your life the way you wanted it to. And then at the end of the day, you could just ask for forgiveness. And then you could start the whole cycle over and over again. But here's what he does want us to hear. So he doesn't want us to hear this idea that he just came to forgive our sins and go live your life. Here's what he wants you to hear, and this is John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that you may have life and life to the fullest, right? Life and life to the fullest isn't a cycle of sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness. That's not life and life to the fullest, right? 
That's not the way you were designed to live. You weren't designed to live your own life and continue sinning and get to the end of the week. And when you show up at church or you end up in a confessional or whatever you're doing to be able to make that happen, that's not the way he designed your life to be. He designed your life to be at a place where you could not be just forgiven, and we're going to highlight this, but delivered, right? It's not just about forgiveness, but it's about deliverance. And there's a huge difference inside of that. And here's what it says in Romans. We're going to go back to Romans 6, 12 through 14. He says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you uh, obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For, and this is the key, Sin shall no longer be your what? See, this is what you can't miss. When you live in the cycle of Jesus came just to forgive your sins, you live with another master. When you let sin master your life and think that forgiveness fixes it all, you have another master. Like, that's what he's trying to say to each one of us. He's saying... A life and a life to the fullest is this, for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but you are under grace. And here's why this is so important, right? And I just want to make sure that I say this right because I'm afraid at times that this might come across the wrong way, but I want you to understand what it says next. So he's setting up this idea that If you're a Christian person, if you call yourself a Christian, you should not live in a cycle of sin and just ask for forgiveness, right? That's not, that's not supposed to be our life. The whole, I fall, I'm a sinner and fall short of the glory of God isn't the same as, well, I'm going to continue to live whatever life I want to live, but I have a pass at the end that I can ask for forgiveness. And as long as I make it or have that pass, I'm good. Do you see the difference, Right? Like we are our sinners and we all do fall short. But at the end of the day, this is a different lifestyle. So he says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, right? Don't let those things happen because then it shows who your master is. And he says this, which I think is the key to the verse. For the wages of sin is death. Here's what we know. Well, if you didn't know, let's make sure we all know this. Sin kills things, right? Okay, now this is to get back, right? We know that. Anytime you read this, sin kills things. Sin is the reason Jesus Christ had to die on the cross, right? Sin is the reason that Jesus had to become born as a human baby, live till he was an adult, be brutally beaten, die on a cross, right? Because of sin, right? So we know, if you go clear back to, if you study the Bible, you know that any time that there was sin, clear back to in the Garden of Eden, right? If you go clear back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned, and an animal had to be sacrificed to cover their sin. That's where they got their clothes from. Right. So from the beginning, anytime there was sin, there had to be death accompanied with that. So we know in the beginning that sin kills things. And I think we would all intuitively understand that sin kills things. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. Forgiven sin still kills things. 
And I want you to hear this because this is where the problem becomes, right? And these are the things that I think that we forget. If you sin or you live a lifestyle of sin in your life and you ask Jesus for forgiveness, will you be forgiven? Absolutely. But does it still kill things? So we all know this, right? Like inside of a marriage, like we know this inside of a marriage, like inside of a marriage, sin can become a part of what's going inside of the marriage and we can do some wrong things and you can ask for forgiveness, but is there something still being killed in a relationship? Absolutely. Does God forgive you? Absolutely. But is something still dying because of the sin that was committed? Or you look at the way that you spend your money. You look at it as when it comes to addictions. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people that struggle with addiction, you know, you have it and you go through it. And then you get to this place where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And you go to God and you're like, God, forgive me. And he forgives you, right? But in this period of time, did some things die? Did some relationships get hurt? Did some things happen? Right? And so if you live in this cycle, which is part of the problem, like if you live inside of this cycle where you allow yourself to just believe that the reason that Jesus came was just so that you could, you know, be forgiven of your sin, you're going to miss what he wanted for each one of our lives. Because the gift of Jesus Christ being born is not sin being forgiven necessarily, but it's you being delivered from sin, right? It's you saying, you know what, whatever that thing is that you have, because each one of us struggle with a certain piece of this in our life, whatever those things that you have, it doesn't have to master you anymore. You can be delivered from that, that thing that you're struggling with, whatever it is, like everybody goes through seasons of life where whatever that thing that you're struggling with and you're thinking like, I can't get over it, and then you've just resigned yourself to this, well, I don't really have to give, get over it. You know why I don't have to get over it? Because Jesus forgives. You've missed the point. Right? You've missed the point of the idea of why he came. He came to save you from your sin. He came you to, to deliver you from your sin so that you can have life and life to the fullest. So that you can be, have the experience that God wanted for each one of you inside of your life. And if you keep living in this cycle, right, God is going to forgive you, but you are not going to experience life the way that he designed you to experience. And just so you know, there is things around you being killed because of the sin. And there is destruction around you because of those things. Now, it goes on and it says, so we know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here's what we know about eternal life, okay? Because this is the other misconception sometimes when you believe that Jesus Christ came to forgive your sins, born as a baby, lived to an adult, died on a cross, empty tomb, right, so that you could be forgiven and someday that you could experience eternal life and you think eternal life is something that's to come, that's not what he's talking about. Eternal life starts the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ. That's when eternal life starts. Your eternal life starts the minute, the minute that you give your life over to him and that new life starts. The benefit of eternity or heaven is, is that you're just going to continue in relationship. 
you're in relationship with him here, and then you're going to continue into relationship with him in eternity, right? It's not something that you're going to wait for, right? Eternal life isn't something to come, but it's something that's happening right now. And that eternal life is what he's talking about when he says, listen, I want to deliver you from your sin. I want to rescue from that life of sin. I want to take you away from that so you can experience eternal life on this earth. That's what he wants for each one of us. And that's truly the gift of Christmas. Now, here's what I want you to hear. So we know, I hope you know this through what we read today, that no matter what you've done in your life or no matter what's going on in your life right now, personally, God loves you deeply. There's not one person in this room that as we look around or doesn't matter what you've done, he loves you deeply and that he wants to be in relationship with you and that's why he sent his son because he knew you individually and he wants to be in relationship with you individually. So I hope we know that. And I hope we know that he came so that he could rescue you from whatever it is that's mastering you. And so here's what I want to give a challenge, because here's what I think happens sometimes. So sometimes as Christian people, you know, we live with this idea that we're just going to live inside of this lifestyle sin, and then we're going to keep asking for forgiveness, and we're going to keep going down these roads. And a lot of things have happened in our wake because we live that way. And so here's what I want to challenge you with. Anybody ever watch The Wizard of Oz? Christians don't be Dorothy. Running around trying to find the answer when the answer's on your feet. Right? I mean, that's what happened. Right? Dorothy's running around trying to get the answers from everybody else. If you don't know it, it's the red shoes. (laughs) I mean, I love The Wizard of Oz, but I don't know if anybody else watches The Wizard of Oz. But... You know what I'm saying? So she had the answer on her feet the whole time, but she's running around trying to get the answers from everybody else, and all she needed to do is just click her heels together and she could go home. It's the same with you. I want you to think about this for a second. What sin is mastering you today? What is it? What is that one thing that you continue to do over and over and over again, and you could just fill in the blank, right? Whatever that thing is that you've been struggling with over and over again, and you can just say today, whatever it is, you can put it in. This sin, this lifestyle, this thing will no longer master me. Why? Not because of your power, and not because you're good at it, and not because you're strong, or not because you're disciplined, or not because you're going to work harder, or not because you're going to pray more, or not because of any of those things. You know why? Because you can be delivered from that sin. And that that sin can no longer have power over you. So if that's you today, the answer is already there. The question is, are you going to take it? Right? For you as Christian people, are you going to take those things? For you guys that are here tonight and that you have not yet experienced Jesus, have not yet understood what a personal relationship looks like, I just, you know... I want to give you my own story and, and, and talk a little bit through that because I think if you're here tonight, you know, and I don't know where you're at in life, but I do know this, is that there becomes a certain part of your life where you keep, you keep chasing these things, whatever it is, whatever it is that masters your life or whatever, you keep chasing them, you know, whether it's alcohol, whether it's work, whether it's money, you know, whether it's women, like you chase these things over and over again and you just keep to the end of it and you're like, it was empty, it's empty. 
It's empty. And you just keep going and going and going. And you keep trying to fill it, but you can't ever get full. If you're here tonight and you're like, you know what, I'm fed up with that. Like I'm fed up with this, this constant chase. I'm fed up with other things mastering me. Right? I'm fed up with those, whatever that thing is, you could fill in the blank. I'm fed up with those things mastering my life. You know the great thing is? Is that Jesus Christ, regardless of what you've been doing, regardless of how many times you've been to church, regardless of how much you know about anything that's going on, it doesn't matter. He died for you too. He was born for you and died for you and loves you enough to say that thing that keeps mastering you and that thing that keeps you tied up, all you have to do is choose a new master. Isn't that cool? Right? Like all you have to do is make a decision and there isn't any special prayer. Like the cool thing is, is that to become a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have to say anything special, right? You don't have to get to the point where you, you know, you have it all laid out or somebody, you know, tells you how to walk through it. It's just a decision. It's a decision in your life to say, you know what? This, I don't know what it is, has mastered me too long. Whatever this thing is, and I've tried to the best of my ability to break the hold of this master, and I've never been able to do it. But tonight, I'm going to make a decision for a new master. And we're praying for you that, that you'll make that decision tonight, and you'll allow God to be, uh, or for Jesus to be that in your life. So Corinne's going to come back up, and we're going to end uh, tonight with a couple thoughts. So one of the things about the Christmas Eve Eve service um, is, is that it has some of the tradition in it. You know what I mean? So uh, when we get together, one of the things we always talked about was, you know, we want to do this Christmas Eve Eve service, and so we want to know that, you know, there's tradition that goes along with it, but at the same time, we want to be able to do some different things. And so I can remember as a kid always doing a candlelight service. I don't know if you guys, you know, grew up with that. And so one of the things that we've always done from the beginning of uh, Life Church and our Eve Eve services, we've always taken an opportunity to um, do the, the candlelighting service. But here's something that I want to challenge you with tonight. So as much as it's awesome to do it as a tradition and it's cool, you know, that um, everything in... Um, the, the lights go out, and you can look around, and, and we get to sing Silent Night together. Here's what I want you to think about. If you take an opportunity to reflect back, and that's a lot of what I've done over the past, you know, um, few weeks, few months of coming to the end of the year. If you take an opportunity to reflect back on 2021, and I don't know if, if this is you too, but when you reflect back on it, there are some pretty dark spaces, right? You know, there are just some times where you're like, I don't know if you ever feel this, it's just like the weight of the darkness coming in, right? And for each one of us, you know, sometimes that, that darkness seems like it's going to overwhelm all of the light, right? But here's what I want you to process. So as you light your candle tonight, here's what I want you to think about. That whatever it is that's going on in your life and whatever those things are that are happening in your life, and as dark as it feels, right, that 
When you light your candle, you know, the one thing that you can count on is the promise. And the promise that he gives every single person in this room is is that, you know, there are going to be dark times, and those dark times are going to seem like they're going to overwhelm you. But Jesus gives us a promise. The light will never be overwhelmed by the darkness. Never. And so as you take an opportunity to light your candle tonight, I want you to think about that. I don't know where you're at in your life, and I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want you to know tonight that if you've had those dark spells and you've had those dark times, that when you light your candle tonight, it's not only a symbol of you know, the, being a light into the world, but it's a symbol that Jesus promises each one of us, that no matter how dark it gets in your world, the light of Jesus will never be overcome by the darkness. Would you all stand with me? Let's sing this last song together. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. 
So allow yourself to take an opportunity to just look around and recognize that some of these lights are lights representing of new life, right? We prayed for that, that people would take on new life tonight, that the angels are rejoicing for someone who has been delivered from sin. And that we rejoice with those who have said, I will no longer be mastered by sin. And we're going to rejoice with those who have been struggling to keep the darkness back, that they'll hold on to the promise. That really helps the moment. That's why I kept the lighter. That you hold on to the promise that his light will never be overwhelmed by the darkness. And may we as a church celebrate those things. So again, thanks everybody for being here at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online and we'll see you guys next year.